Hello and welcome to another episode of Pat's Chat. Today, 25th episode. I'm uh, really honored to have a very special, awesome guest today, uh, Dr. Jason Leong. I think everyone knows him in the meantime. Um, I'm really honored you made it to my anniversary, small anniversary show. Thank you so much for your time, Jason. No problem, man. How are you? I'm okay for the moment, yeah. <laughs> Yourself? Uh, I want... I- I want all your viewers to know that uh, Pat here, uh, we do jujitsu together. That's why I know Pat. And he always uh, bullies me on the mat. <laughs> he has injured me five times. He, he seems like a nice guy, but he's not, man. He's, he's this little angry uh, Swedish guy who beats the shit out of me every time. I'm I, very upset. Basically, I was not like how we're supposed to start, but uh, I can say I beat the shit out of you because you call me Swedish, you know, and you never learned that I'm basically from Switzerland. But I that's know, okay. I know, I know. Yeah, I, I purposely <laughs> <say> that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I bully you next time for that again. But thanks for the nice intro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just brought me out of my concept, but uh, where I wanted to start. Um, I saw on your Facebook profile, basically, that, that you describe yourself as a second-class citizen. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? What is the background of uh, that you still call yourself second, uh, great second citizen? Second-class citizen. Second class yeah, because... Uh, as you all know, in uh, in Malaysia, there is a special uh, provision in the constitution where um, the, the Malays and the Bumiputras have uh, special privileges and spe- special rights. And for non-Malays like myself and a lot of other Malaysians, uh, we feel that, yeah, we are like second-class citizens. i give you an example. Uh, this permeates throughout almost every aspect of society. Um, when you buy houses, there are special discounts given to the Bumiputras so they can buy houses at a cheaper price. Um, the banks offer uh, special investment vehicles that give higher rates of returns that are only accessible to the Bumiputras. Um, education education opportunities there are a lot of universities that have not only do they have quotas where you know only a certain number of non malays can get in um, meritocracy is not uh, established and also there are various institutions uh, educational institutions and scholarships that are only available to uh, the malay people so um, yeah, so throughout all this, uh, you one can't help but feel that uh, we are second class because although technically we are citizens, uh, we, ha- we have the right to vote, but the opportunities given to us uh, are not equal. I understand. And uh, I know you're very patriotic. You always put that first that you're Malaysian. Uh, I think you um, take good care also about the uh, racial um, challenges i would say that uh, there are in malaysia also uh, yeah. let's let's go back a little bit in your childhood because i found a sense that you said yourself um that that you made a lot of noise in school uh, you talked a lot you made fun of people uh but also people say that you're naturally funny i mean was it was it clear for you all the time that you wanted to become a comedian one day was that your target um yeah not um i mean when i was in school um uh, not that I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, not yet, but I realized very early on that uh, I like I liked talking. So uh, I like to I like the sound of my own voice. So I would join like uh, uh, the debating teams. Uh, I represented my school in the debating teams. Um, I joined the national public speaking competition. We had uh, a national level public speaking competition. I joined it twice. Uh, all my almost 
a lot of the school events, I emceed the events. Um, and I like to tell jokes. So I think, uh, I, you know, when I was young, I, I like to read, you know, Reader's Digest. And at the end mm-hmm. of the article, they have like one anecdote or one joke, uh, laughter, the best medicine, or all in a day's work. So I think stand-up comedy is a very natural extension of my interest when I was, mm-hmm. a, when I was yeah. a kid. Okay, okay. And I can say you're a truly funny guy when you're not bullied uh, in the gym. Yeah, <laughs> so yes. a lot of fun. So um, I, You I always can... laugh when you bully me, so I, I'm glad <laughs> I made you laugh. Nevertheless, Jason, um, you didn't come become a comedian right away. You become a medical doctor. Um, does this go with like the bias of Chinese and Malaysian? You have to become a medical doctor. Or what, what motivated you at the beginning to really go through these uh, studies, which are not, not easy, right? I mean, it's, a, it's yeah. a tough work. It's a tough studies also. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, it's very ingrained in our culture that we have to be, you know, like medic, uh, doctor, lawyer, engineer, accountant, that kind of. So, uh, but I was always interested uh, to pursue a career in the sciences. And I think being a doctor is like a pinnacle of, for me, the, the pinnacle of sciences because you use science actively to help people. And, uh, you know, I was lured by the prestige of being a doctor, definitely. Uh, and I wanted to be a doctor, actually. Uh, my parents couldn't really afford to send me to medical school, but I still wanted to be a doctor. Um, yeah, so uh, it's weird that I want to be a doctor, then I give it all up to become a stand-up comedian. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you go through all that, but first of all, it was not that easy. I mean, you practiced as a as a doctor and I read like as a side job, more or less, you did your gigs, you, you built yes. up your jokes and things like that. That took a couple of years. And I think then like the, the, there was a change around what was it, 2010, 2013, like that. You had some gigs like uh, opening acts for, for different comedians like uh, Harit Iskandar, I think. Uh, but then what made the change really seemed to be um, the gig with Douglas Slim of, uh, mm-hmm. of the MACC. Um, yeah. And and that seemed to be like the turning point where I really figured out, hey, I want to be a comedian. Let's throw away my uh, doctor yeah, yeah. stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was working as a doctor for four and a half years, almost five years actually. Um, in my end of the first year of my uh, practice, I was I did my first stand-up comedy gig. Um, this was an open mic in KL and then the second time I did the open mic uh, Douglas Lim was in the the lineup so he saw me perform and then he headlined the show then he gave me a break uh, to be in the Malaysian Association of Chinese Comedians MACC so every year we'll do, we'll do a tour so I did that for like a couple of years so I was doing both I was working and doing comedy at the same time for like for like two, three years. Mm, wow. And by the end of 2013, I also won the seventh international Hong Kong comedy competition. Mm-hmm. And first Malaysian gigs, to win that? I think, yes, first Malaysian, yes, yes. Yep. And, think, and then when the gigs started coming in, uh, I knew that I couldn't do both at the same time because it's really tiring. I'll work Monday to Friday at the clinic and then Saturday to Sunday I'll perform. And it was really tough, you know, like no how to say, uh, no, no rest. So I decided that I had to give up one. 
So I decided to try and uh, give up medicine for a while and do stand-up comedy. If I need to come back, I'll come back. But uh, luckily, I didn't have to. Lah. So that was in, yeah, that was 2014. So it's like almost 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, almost seven years already since I last quit. Oh, yeah. You just said luckily. That means like, did you hate your job so much or were you just more excited about uh, being comedian in front of public? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's both. Uh, I didn't like my job and I love being in front of people. Um, uh, you see, the, the problem is, it's not so much like the job per se, but I think in Malaysia, um, being a doctor, especially in the public service, it's a lot of, there's a lot of bureaucracy, there's a lot of red tape and it's not really mm -hmm. pleasant because sometimes it feels like a, a lot of things are against you. Um, the pay is very bad. Um, mm -hmm and the stress level is very high and there's a lot, not a lot of work-life balance, you know. Um, and even at the junior level, where I, at least when I was a junior doctor, uh, there was a lot of bullying, a lot of like, uh, a lot of the, uh, yeah, a, a lot of toxic, toxicity in the workplace, I would say. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I always, you know, I always told my wife, you know the, you know the scene in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the, mm -hmm. Uh, the second, the, the second one, Dead Man's Chest. Uh, there's a guy who was in Davy Jones's uh, ship, and he's been there so long that the ship is absorbing him. He's becoming part of the ship. Yeah. So the mantra yeah. is part of the ship, part of the crew. Mm. So I was worried that you know, the longer I stay in this toxic environment, I will become one of the people who are toxic also. Wow. And I can see okay. this in a lot of my some of my friends. You know, like they were they will get bullied by their senior doctors. Then when they become seniors, they will do the same things to their juniors that, that were done to them. Wow, I see. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's one of the push factors. And mm -hmm. of course, the pull factor is that stand-up comedy is a very rewarding, uh, a very, a very rewarding profession. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm, I was just surprised to hear that you said it's very badly paid, right? Because I felt like oh, that yes. could be a motivation, right? That you stay and say like, okay, it's very difficult to make a change because like you have a highly regarded job, a highly paid job also, but then um, why would you change to comedy and risk a lot? I mean, um, as you said, if it doesn't work, right? Then, well, you have to go back any, any way. You lose some time, you lose a lot of money also. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to money, I mean, uh, doctors will tell you this uh, that um, if they if uh, medicine is not a profession, you're going to be rich, and uh, this is uh, this this is said by the rich doctors themselves. Um, <laughs> and I think it's, it's I realized uh, later on that you know when I talk to my friends like you and you know people who are in the banking industry, finance industry, uh, people who know about how to run a business, uh, I find that. Doctors, we know how the human body works, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. But people like you and people in business, they know how the world works. Mm. So I think, uh, I feel that that is lacking in a lot of doctors. We know how the human body functions, but we don't know how the world goes around. So I think... Yeah. That is the gap I see when I talk to my friends outside uh, medicine. Understand, understand. I also uh, find just that point very interesting. So you you became basically an entrepreneur. I think that's how how I see it. Um, I know many people see like uh, funny guys turning comedian. I I think it's a hard job really to put the things together that you put together and sometimes we discussed also uh, like how much time you really spend in like producing a small video right and cut it yeah, together yeah. and uh, especially during the mco where you had like your 
short videos, yeah. uh, but you spend the entire day to produce basically a nine, nine minute or seven minute video, right? Yes, so, yeah. so hard work, but uh, I'm, I'm really happy to see that that worked out for you. Um, so let's change a little bit to the, to the topics um, that, that you're using. And uh, I see, I saw a, not a, like a pattern, but I see topics that popping up like everywhere, like in, in your videos and your shows also. Uh, basically, one of those is uh, TCM, the traditional Chinese medicine. So there's a lot of uh, jokes about that, like even some uh, terms like heatiness that really make the world, right? I mean, even sometimes I talk with friends, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm injured here, oh, heatiness. Um, that, that's very funny, right? But uh, mm. what, what is the reason for that? I mean, why is this one of the topics that you're really making, mm. not fun of, but it's one of the topics you repeatedly have in your programs? Yeah. Um, I think it's because uh, I have seen uh, firsthand the dangers of uh, traditional medicine. Not, not, not to say traditional Chinese medicine, but traditional medicine in its entirety. You know, all these homeopathic healers, these chakras, this Reiki healing, all these things which are not scientifically uh, backed. Um, and the problem is because when people, they believe in things that clearly do not work, and they ignore that which works, uh, it comes to a detriment uh, to themselves. Uh, you can see it happening around the world now, you know, like people are blissfully ignoring the advice of actual scientists, actual doctors, not wearing masks and spreading COVID. Uh, this, that is one very bad symptom of a larger disease, which is um, believing in pseudoscience. And I'll give you an example. So there was, a, I saw this patient once in uh, when I was a houseman, okay, uh, he's like a very young kid, but he has uh, Cushing's disease. Uh, Cushing's disease is caused by having too much steroids in your body. Um, I can't remember the exact pathophysiology. And what happens is he has asthma, okay? Now, asthma, the, the, the medications to control asthma, the strongest medication, the last line of defense against asthma is steroids, okay? Steroids. Um, so the mother, when he, whenever he has an asthma attack, he will, she will boil for him like traditional Chinese herbs, which she got from the shop. Mm -hmm. Now, what she doesn't know is all these herbs, they are kind of laced with steroids. So whenever you take the herbs, you feel better. Okay, that's what steroids mm -hmm. do. Yeah. So whenever this boy has an asthma attack, instead of going to an actual doctor, she boils the herbs, gives him the herbs, giving him a large dose, dose of steroids. And... After many years of doing this, when you put in large dose of steroids, your adrenal glands will shut down. Adrenal glands produce the steroids, our actual natural steroids. So when the adrenal, gland, adrenal glands shut down, when he becomes actually sick, the body needs to pump at, uh, steroids to combat the disease. The, uh, the adrenal glands cannot pump anymore. And that's why he falls severely sick and he comes to the hospital. Doctors take one look at him. Oh my God, you have Cushing's disease. Have you been taking traditional Chinese herbs? And the mother says yes. So firsthand damage when it comes to taking traditional Chinese herbs. And on a larger scale, like we see so many patients who, let's say they have diabetes, they have a foot ulcer, okay, and we give them medication. They don't want to follow the medication because like, you have to take it every day, four to six times a day. They go to the traditional Chinese doctor, gives them some bullshit, and they come back having to amputate the foot. Mm, I understand. So this is, 
this is absolutely horrible. And you see it not just in Malaysia, everywhere around the world, people don't want to follow doctor's advice and they follow uh, alternative healers mm-hmm. and yeah, to, yeah. This, to their own detriment. I mean, interestingly, like in uh, in the Western, right, in the West and from Europe, um, I mean, this is even a big topic, right? You, they're making sales of that saying, oh, wow, this is Chinese medicine or traditional Chinese medicine. And a lot of centers pop up and grow. Um, but But from your perspective, I mean... Do you put that in your program because you you want to raise more awareness or is it because you already gave up and you try to just make <laughs> ridicule it? I mean, make fun of it so people, well, in the end, also get an awareness. <laughs> yeah, I think it was mostly just to uh, spread awareness. But also, I think, firstly, as a comedian, it's nice to see that, oh, a lot of people don't talk about traditional medicine, right? Uh, a lot of comedians don't talk about it. Maybe because they are not doctors themselves. So with my medical background, I'm able to dissect the subject better. And also that's a, my unique selling point. I'm a, that is my position, you know, like mm-hmm. of yeah. all the comedians, I'm a doctor, which is yeah. interesting. Then, then you, can, you, you will listen to me more. Mm-hmm. Um, and also as from my perspective as a, a doctor, when I, because I'm a comedian, I get to say things which a lot of doctors may not dare to say because they want to remain professional, right? Um, it can be, yeah, it can be detrimental to a actual doctor's career if they go out and say, hey man, traditional Chinese doctors are bullshit. Uh, they may get into a lot of trouble, right? Mm. Um, but I don't have that kind of baggage, so I'm able to say it. I, I can say in my videos, traditional Chinese medicine is bullshit and, and, and yeah. you know, Nothing, nothing will happen to me because I'm not, a, I'm not a, I'm not a practicing doctor. Um, I mean, all that at, I see, all that happens really is like um, the discussion starting, right? And you can see like uh, people at the two very extremes discussing. You know, um, some discuss seriously also. So I think in the end, uh, the target is reached. Uh, people discuss about it, and uh, everyone can make its own opinion in the end. Also, um, a very serious topic, I think, that you're using very well uh, with your medical. Background background so uh, another topic uh, maybe not so <laughs> it's also kind of serious but funnier i would say uh that is one of your favorite topic is talking about the governments right so yes. um one of the jokes you raised during mco is like you're really upset about the current uh, politicians because they take away your job uh, being comedians <laughs> and being funny um yeah what's your point on on the the political jokes. I mean, it's something that, well, it feeds you something like every day or every week. You can talk about uh, this like yeah. every day, right? Is, is it that? Yeah. Or is it like just that you also politically engage or interested really that you make that one of your uh, main topics, I would say? Yeah, I think as I grow older, I'm more interested in politics, definitely. Uh, but the thing is also Malaysian politics is just full of bullshit. Uh, it's so funny, it's so sad, it's so tragic, and it's so interesting. Like, how long have you been in Malaysia, Patrick? Uh, five years now. I, bro, it has been it's been interesting for the last 20 years, man. <laughs> like, you can write a book since, like, from from 30 years ago. It's so, it's so insane. Like, I can tell you the entire story involving these four or five figures and it's still ongoing. It's still ongoing. Uh, as of today, like we are apparently waiting for another change of government. We could have, uh, Malaysia could have three prime ministers within one year. It's ridiculous. 
Um, and so it's, I think, our duty as stand-up comedians to call out uh, this kind of bullshit to speak truth to power at least because we have that platform people will listen mm-hmm. in fact uh, I think if you look back at history uh, comedy started with the Greeks when they they put on plays you know like plays in the amphitheaters and because they cannot directly criticize the leaders they would create a character in the play where it is a leader but he's stupid and then they make fun of the character in the play but not directly at the leaders. So this was the earliest, I think, forms of formal comedy. I understand. So even, it is, so even in its very first stage, comedy has that power to bring the high low. And mm-hmm. I think it's very important because, um, you know, uh, comedy is very, comedy is actually very subversive. You know, mm-hmm. comedy can undermine yeah. uh, powerful people. And one of the famous cartoonists in Malaysia who always, uh, draws uh, satirical cartoons criticizing the government. He he was almost in jail for his cartoons. Uh, his name is Zuna, and Zuna had a very important point. He said, "Laughter is a very powerful form of protest because mm-hmm. the governments that we see today, the authoritarian governments, they can they know how to handle a coup. They know how to use uh, violence to stifle a, a riot or a protest." Yeah. But they don't know how to stop people from laughing. Yeah, yeah, that that is a powerful statement. How how about yourself? I mean, did you get like in trouble, or did you get some warnings sometime about uh, from from politicians, or like just people that don't understand your joke or your sarcasm sometimes? Yeah, mostly from people. I've never had any uh, formal <laughs> trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, the uh, authorities have not contacted me, uh, but I'm I'm bracing for it, you know. So far, I, I I try my best to 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 straddle the line between you know between uh, funny and and uh, what's the word seditious. Um, mm-hmm. Malaysia has very uh, loose sedition sedition laws. I would yeah. say um, there is a rule last time. Um, Back uh, before 2018, there was a rule, uh, un- unspoken, un- unwritten rule amongst people in the entertainment industry and the media especially. So you cannot touch on the four R's, the four R's, which are race, royalty, religion, and Rosma. It's four R's. <laughs> so as long as you try not to touch too much on them, um, uh, you are considered safe lah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, what is your personal boundaries? I mean, what is the thing, even if you think of a thing um, that you say you, you cannot make jokes about that, that is inappropriate or it's unethical? Is there anything or are you, are you more the guy that says, no, well, comedy is allowed to do everything, making jokes <laughs> about everything? Yeah, um, as, a, as a stand-up comedian, uh, I I I I'm bound to the wisdom of the great comedians and also to the the ethos of the art, which is you can make fun of everything. You can make fun of anything, any subject, anything can be made fun of. You know, rape, cancer, Holocaust, AIDS, all the worst things in the world you should be able to make fun of, provided you are good enough, lah, you know. Um, no topic or subject is taboo. That's my point of view as a comedian mm-hmm. but as a Malaysian uh, being practical 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, there are a lot of things I wouldn't touch. I wouldn't touch, say, uh, royalty. I don't. I won't make jokes about royalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I won't make jokes about uh, the Muslim faith or Muslims or Islam mm-hmm. because that's just um, inviting uh, in the current climate too much trouble than it's worth, lah. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that sadly that is the case. Yeah. I wish it, I wish that wasn't the case. Mm, okay, so at least the two R's. Is for you a taboo? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, what is not a taboo is uh, obviously making fun of uh, other states like Sabah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm referring to? Um, yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, uh, that was that was a really interesting case, I have to say, because uh, just to recap quickly, um, that was a Sabah student, a girl that um, posted a YouTube video. I think that she had to climb on trees overnight to get internet connectivity and you commented on that and clearly clearly i think it was understandable that you made the joke on the internet service providers right like blaming them how can it be that in some states uh, we still don't have internet but it yeah. backfired really <laughs> yeah crazily right i mean there was such yeah. a huge controversy and as i just mentioned like people saying oh you were against sabahans you were against uh, students and things like that uh you yeah. really went into a big shit storm i think we can say it like that um, uh it was a a, a shit uh hurricane <laughs> shit hurricane but it's actually not the worst yeah it's not the worst yeah. oh really but but okay yeah. let's let's just uh, stick to in general like uh, shit storm yeah, shit yeah, hurricanes yeah. like w- were you surprised about that uh, that exactly um, that, that post like created such a mess yeah initially I, i was surprised then after a while i began to realize that uh, you know the the i think the sabahans were already quite angry at the idea that you know as a state they don't have a lot of infrastructure and then this girl became their hero and then when they see someone from peninsular malaysia west malaysia uh, making fun of her then ah we're gonna we have to defend our hero and kill this villain right um but clearly the 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 tweet was meant to poke fun at how bad internet connectivity is in malaysia mm. also Um, there were a lot of uh, people saying that oh, I was make, I was cyber bullying a younger girl, yeah, <laughs> uh, and that uh, you I'm using my privilege to make make fun of Sabahans. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of which which are true because I actually I, I like Sabah a lot. I go there quite often, <laughs> and whenever I invited Sabah, you to go there, right? But yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing about Sabah is uh, Sabah is a Sabah and Sarawak are two states which show you what Malaysia as a whole should be. Because if you go to Sabah and Sarawak, have you been to Sabah and Sarawak by any chance? No, no, I have oh, not okay. been yet. Yeah, It's a shame, so, I know, uh, but yeah. I'm guilty of as that. A, yeah, as a, someone born and bred in Selangor and West Malaysia, and, and you see the racial, religious divide there is in Malaysia, you know, when you go to Sabah and Sarawak, you don't see that there. And it's a bit of a culture shock. I give you an example. You can go to a restaurant which uh, there will be a Muslim uh, family, you know, wearing the hijab, eating. And next to them, there'll be a Chinese family eating also. Okay. Mm-hmm. In a Chinese restaurant. And yeah. this is, okay. is freaking unheard of in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like in, in Sarawak, there's a story, there's an image where there's a mosque and a church next to each other. Right. Yes. That itself is mind-blowing 
it will mm-hmm. never happen in Malaysia, right? Yeah, in, yeah. in West Malaysia. But what is interesting is on, let's say on Friday, the church will open up their compound so that people can park in the church to go to the mosque. Mm-hmm. Then on Sunday, the mosque will open a compound so that people can park in the mosque to go to the church. And then on like Christmas Day, you will see like Muslims singing Christmas carols. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Hari Raya, Christians sing. Uh, uh, Christians like will visit, you know, the mosque, whatever. It's it's so one Malaysia. It's so uh, the the Malay words muhiba. You know, that is what Malaysia should be. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so I actually love Sabah. So obviously, uh, I'm not making fun of Sabah, of course. And <laughs> what I realized is, you know, uh, what I've learned from this saga is that when people are, how to say, when people are mad at you for something which clearly is not your intention, right? Uh, you all I have to do is I just kept quiet. I didn't respond to anything. Some of this, mm-hmm. hey, some yeah. of them even asked, "Would you like to say, a, give a statement?" Or apologize. I yeah. did none of that. I never apologize. I never explain myself. I never mm-hmm. like uh, say, "Oh yes, I understand." Because that would just fuel the next cycle. Just Correct. keep yeah. quiet. Yeah. And within within a week, it was over. True. True. Uh, would that yeah. like be your your tip, like to people really getting into a shit storm? Like just sit it out. I mean, don't comment. Don't talk about it. And well, just wait a week until it's over. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had another friend in Singapore. His name is uh, Fakafaz, Malay guy, and he made a. Vi- this was 2015, 2016, You know when the one MDB scandal was was big, and he made a joke on stage, and then he put it on video on YouTube, uh, which basically basically saying like, "Oh, uh, in in Singapore we call a thief a thief, but in Malaysia you guys call a thief the prime minister." Okay, it's it's a language joke. Uh, he got into now he got into a shit tsunami, hurricane, earthquake all at one time, right? Uh, there were people calling for him to be banned from coming to Malaysia. Uh, he had death threats to his family who is in Malaysia, and um, he 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 was he apologized, and I I remember telling him don't apologize because when you apologize. It, is it will never be enough. They are, whatever the mob wants to do, they will still do to you. So even after he apologized, the attack still came on and he was, uh, there's like a, someone made a police report against him saying that he shouldn't be brought into Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So it's never enough. It's, it's, and you apologize, you just weaken your position. This is if, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. correct. Which yeah. I think he didn't, I think he didn't do anything wrong. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a joke. Clearly, at a stand-up comedy show, so there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. You know, I, I, but I, if you like, if you yeah, if you you know sexually harass people, you touch girls, then yeah, of course you should apologize. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it's two different topics, and uh, yeah. again, it's uh, under the name of uh, comedy clearly de- declared, yeah. right? So everyone should yeah. understand. But that brings me to basically the next topic I wanted to ask. I'm really wondering. Um, of course, there's different sense of humor. Uh, people understand also sarcasm uh, in a different way, uh, not only within the country, but you have toured in uh, many countries, Southeast Asia, like Hong Kong, also in India, Australia, Philippines. Um, how was that for you? Did you have to adjust some parts of your program um, like yeah. before the first time or like even during uh, shows or like after the shows because you figured out, wow, this kind of jokes don't work at all or uh-huh. it doesn't work here or how, how did that work out for you? How did you figure out or is it more of a testing 
Um, yeah, uh, it, it comes with uh, stage time overseas. Obviously, uh, when you if you tour a, a few years, you realize that uh, there are more similarities between all the countries and all the people than there are differences. So actually, sometimes you'd be surprised that oh, this particular joke about Malaysian bribery. <laughs> actually works in other countries because other countries also experience their form of bribery you know mm. bribery is not just uh, unique yeah. to malaysia um what you what you can, must do is you you take out the jokes which are heavily referencing malaysian stuff like for example if i do a joke about rosma or najib they won't get it because they don't know najib they oh, don't know okay, rosma yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right um uh, but if i do you can a just joke replace about, say, the names maybe with yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, political jokes, everything. Everyone has their own their own idea of what political joke should be. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone all around the world, uh, they hate certain politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so by and large, every a, a lot of all the countries they will enjoy the the same kind of jokes as long as you're good enough to pull them off. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a difference, I say, when you when I travel to uh, places like uh, Melbourne. Now, Melbourne is a huge comedy market, but uh, Australians in the urban cities they tend to be very uh, PC. They are very politically correct. So, a joke which you, let's say your joke contains the word "bitch," they were like, they were, well, how can you call a woman a bitch? You know what I mean? Like they 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 will mm-hmm. pull back. And, and certain things, so they're very, they're very, uh, they're slightly more PC than other markets. I, I would say. Uh, I went to perform in America, and didn't have that much of a, of a, I wouldn't say a problem, but like that's like, oh, okay, so these people are a bit sensitive towards this kind of things, right? So apart, but apart from that, you know, just every country has a little bit of nuance. You just tweak to it a little bit, and uh, then you can, you can, mm-hmm. you can, you can, you can get them. Yeah. Understand, understand. So one one specific question, uh, and your well, we come to that uh, in a, in a moment. Your uh, Netflix show uh, hashtag blessed. You're using a, a very funny joke with the Hong Kong uh, taxi driver. Yes. Were, were you yes. making that joke in Hong Kong? Yeah, of course. Oh my god, <laughs> that joke. That, that joke was funny. <laughs> it bu- like the room burst when I did that joke. It's uh, it's it's in- insane, and. What what is interesting about that joke is right. Um, you see that joke, I would say very, the joke very accurately captures the spirit of the Hong Kong people. Um, if you go to Hong Kong, you go to the streets, um, you know the shops, you know you meet the 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 real Hong Kongers. That is exactly how they behave. Mm-hmm. They have no time for you. They are very efficient. They will carry out the service for you, and if you irritate them, they will let you know. Right, um, but here's the interesting thing about that joke, which uh, I will I will share the secret with you. That incident didn't really happen. Oh, okay, no. okay. Okay, let me tell you the real incident. Okay, sure. I'm in the I'm in the cab, Hong Kong cab driver. He's driving. The guy, the car cuts him off. He gets upset. So so he drives up to the offending car. So now we're side by side, right? And he does this, right? He's looking at the in front, but. He's honing, he's he's honing, he's honking, pay, 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 and then he's lifting his middle finger like this. The car is the car's on that side, okay? He's lifting his middle, pay, 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 but he's not looking at the guy, pay, 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 so that he's honking, so the guy is forced to look left 
and see the middle finger. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. And I was thinking, fuck, how do I translate this to 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 capture the real Hong Kong spirit, you know? Yeah, and then yeah. then I came up with the joke. And that that joke that you watch, it wouldn't have come about if I didn't spend quite a lot of time in Hong Kong. Right? And and like for example, like I I was buying something from an IT store, you know, like a cable or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I can only speak a little bit of Cantonese, so I, uh, I said, "Ah, yeah, I'm so sorry. I don't have, I don't have small change, okay." And the Hong Kongers, they have this way of being nice, but rude at the same time, right? So I said, "I'm, I'm sorry. I don't have small change." And this guy goes, "Hey, don't be stupid, man. Money is still money." <laughs> Then he takes my money. And say, ah, oh, I'll give you change, no problem. They give me change. I say, okay. I say, can I? Can you put it in a plastic bag? And he goes, of course, I'll put it in a plastic bag for you. Like it's like, it's like so. It's good service, but he, you know, he's like, he's like, yeah, of course, I'll do it for you. You know, like so. So I was like, okay, how do I? I was really tickled by this. So I, I told my friends uh, in, in Hong Kong. I say, yeah, that's the typical Hong Kong spirit. So I was like, how do I capture that spirit with my cab driver experience? And then slowly yeah. the ideas just. Keep flowing in, okay, and then and and it's wow. yeah, so awesome, yeah. It's it's very Hong Kong. <laughs> that's that's very impressive, and uh, I think you thought yeah. once like uh, I mean most of the situations or uh, most of your jokes come from situations that you really lived, right? That you observed, and then that happened, and uh, but of course you have to tweak it, right, to um, uh, make it even even funnier. But can can you disclose like how how much of your program when you have like this one hour programs? Is really situation that 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 happened more or less oh, like uh, that, yeah. or is so, it see, everything? See, like for example, like uh, most of the stories that I tell uh, are real, but it's just that I need to tweak it a little bit to make it more how to say audience friendly or stand up comedy friendly. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like you, you watch my special. Right? Remember the, the the story I told about thank you Jesus, <laughs> right? So like so so the gist of the story is I helped a friend go through a medical procedure. She then goes back home and thanks Jesus. Right. So that character, that Sarah character, is not real. Right. I I didn't have that experience, but yeah. I've had a lot of I've done a lot. Of, I, I'm like I'll help out a friend in 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 this little manner, and then she goes, oh thank God. I, I help mm. another friend in something else, and you go, oh thank. Uh, thank uh, what uh, Jesus brought me, brought Jason to me. That kind of stuff. Or I have other friends who tell me similar yeah. stories, right? So then, so I just take all the stories and I and I amalgamated into one story, which is, which is, which didn't happen, but it's it's real. It's happening all around the world. It's happening to all my doctor friends. I just make it, uh, I just make it uh, friendly to the audience to listen to a story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. The the okay. The like the you know the the bit about I put the stethoscope around so that I don't get fined from the cops. <laughs> yes. Right. You do that's, that. That's I've done that twice, which is real. <laughs> Now that is real. But 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 when I take out the jumper cables, that is false. Oh, yeah. That didn't happen. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I just think of what what could be re- what what, what could, could be a funny funnier, situation. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. What's in the car? Jumper cables. Okay. So I jumper cable. Ah. Then then there's a there's there's a nice ending to the story. <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs> 
let's talk about uh, the Netflix. I mean, that is that is in itself also an awesome story. And uh, I say I really I really feel honored to to know you because how many people you really know that are on Netflix, you know, uh, you managed to do that. Not only that, but also your show was in the top, what was the highest? Four or five? Four, four in Malaysia, four, four, four in Singapore. Yeah. That is awesome. Congratulations for, for that. Can, can you walk me through like the process, like what happened? Hmm. How, how did Netflix approach you or you have to uh, sign up somewhere? How does yes. this really work? Yeah. First, uh, first of all, I think, uh, yes, Patrick, you're, you should be very honored because not only do you know someone on Netflix, you, you ambat someone on Netflix many times. <laughs> who else? No one else. Very few people in the world have ambat someone who is on Netflix. Um, so, in 2018, a few of my friends got on Netflix. Uh, I, I knew then that I also wanted to be on Netflix. Um, the, the first, the, 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 the obvious way of doing it is Netflix will contact you and they will commission you to do a special. Okay. So it means they say, Hey, Patrick, I want you to do a special. Here's a bunch of money. Shoot a special. Give us, give it us by six months. Um, I went the other way because I didn't have a Netflix deal, but I knew that if I showed them something worthy, they will, they'll be willing to buy. So in 2018, without any deal whatsoever, I funded my own special first, shot it, everything. Uh, we tried to sell it in 2018 via, uh, Malaysian comedy promoter, it didn't work. So 2019, I sort of gave up because I was too busy doing producing two tours. So I was very, really busy. Then in 2020, I had the special in, on, in my hand and I asked my producer for his blessing because he was not making any money. So I said, hey, can I, Kube is my producer. I said, Kube, can I cut this into little clips and put it on YouTube for free? And uh, he said, sure, you know, just put it on YouTube, you know, if something else comes along, we work together. Lah. So I put it on YouTube and I was really going to, it's private link. So I was going to click to public. Uh, then I said, no, I, I still want to try one last time. So I contacted the guy at uh, Netflix Asia. They have an office in Singapore. Uh, I met them. I met the head of acquisition like two years ago, tw in 2018 when I was touring the show and uh, I toured in Singapore. I gave him two free tickets to come to my show. So he okay. came, he watched, he liked it. So I tried, hey, you know, what will it take to get me on Netflix? Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, uh, we are looking to license finished content. Do you have anything to show me? I said, yeah, of course. And I showed him the, uh, I, I sent him the one hour YouTube clip and it took two months after that. Uh, but the deal, the deal went through. Uh, I was really grateful and it was, it took two years of not giving up to 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 yeah. to land land the special yeah wow awesome yeah okay that's cool so now it's there uh, for everyone to uh, to watch and i can really recommend it it's uh, it's hilarious yeah. uh, <laughs> it's good it's uh, it's funny it uh, touches some of the topics we talked today uh, also which is awesome so um yeah <laughs> there it is <laughs> <laughs> hashtag blessed uh, and again I can say also hashtag blessed I'm really blessed uh, you took the time thank you so much Jason for sharing pleasure, your, man. your stories um, stop your, unbarring me yeah <laughs> I will I, I, I won't stop of course especially after you call me uh, Swedish again um, and that's not against the yeah. uh, Swedish guys I mean, <laughs> against you so 
looking forward uh, to uh, tomorrow. I see you in the gym. Uh, thank okay. you very much, uh, Jason, again, for your time and uh, joining me today. Really appreciate that. Cheers, man. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much. And thanks to the audience for watching this. Uh, I'm sure you found it as uh, funny and insightful as I did. Uh, and then I hope I see you next week for another episode of Pat's Chat. Thanks and have a great day.